It wasn't my idea. I didn't want to do it to you. I'm sorry. I really am. It was Johnny. Johnny talked me into it. Johnny made me do it. I didn't want to do it. He made me do it. Suck it, bitch. <laughs> Listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. The following podcast contains adult language, adult situations, and spoilers for the movies discussed occur often. You've been warned. Now, take it away, Dr. Rausch. They must be destroyed on sight. I love how Court, he doesn't have his camera on, so we can't tell if he's just like laughing at us for bopping our heads to our own theme song. Just dancing along. <laughs> uh, I was dancing along and taking Delta 8 hits. Oh, okay. That's cool. That works. Who doesn't love the gunk? It's in Dawn of the Dead, for fuck's sakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How dare you uh, smoke those marijuana cigarettes? It's Delta 8. It's fully legal in this state. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Welcome back. It is They Must Be Destroyed on Site, episode 267. I am your host, Lee. You're interrupting my concentration, Russell. I am joined by my co-hostess with the mostest, Lee. That's what I like in a woman. Total submission, Hardy. How you doing, man? Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, these are just gross, Mr. Russell. I know. Blame the subject matter. Yeah. That lady laugh. Oh, my God. Um, uh, I'm definitely not the the submissive in uh, in a normal day basis. Just saying. That's true. No, that's true. I, I was kind of I was kind of expecting you were going to do a rule reversal on that one. So. You might be submissive. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be the first time. Um, and joining us, special guest from Cinema Psyops. Uh, we've had him on here before. It was way back in episode 138. So nice. Misfits, ref- Misfits reference there. Yeah, almost. yeah. yeah. I, was, uh, I was hoping that you did that on purpose. Got me on 138 because of my Misfits. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I didn't plan it back in the day, but I, I was looking at it today. I was like, when the fuck was he on? Oh, 138. Okay, that's kind of cool. But uh, it's court. I wonder if they got to take a shit to Psyops. How you doing, sir? <laughs> <laughs> I, I have actually wondered that, and uh, married life has proven to me that they, in fact, do have to also take shits. Yeah, it's uh, I, they're they're gross, aren't they? They're just horrible. What shits? Because women are awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was talking about. What do you think I was talking about? You think I like one of those guys in the fucking movie? Jesus, <laughs> I would certainly hope not, Mister Russell. Otherwise, yeah. I wouldn't be able to work with you. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so we're doing some really. Rough movies this time out. Uh, you, you can tell by getting in here. If you're listening, uh, we're kind of expecting you're probably consenting to some of this subject matter. Um, <laughs> or listening about God it. But of course, there'll be a few rants. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, uh, 
these are rape and revenge films. So, you know, trigger warning, if you somehow stumbled in here by mistake uh, and didn't know what you're getting into, we're talking about I Spit on Your Grave and it's a remake. So you might want to back out the door right now. Last chance, basically. Yeah. We'll, we'll get into it when we talk about what we watched, but I've had a rough week with the fucking subject matter of movies I've been watching. Uh, this is, uh, <laughs> I don't know. And whose fault is that? <laughs> well, one of them is Duncan McLeish's fault, a podcast under the stairs, but we'll get into that. But yeah, uh, we can talk about what we've watched uh, lately, and uh, I'll throw over to our guests first. So, Court, take it away. Well, after suffering through both I Spit on Your Grave, the original and the remake versions, um, I immediately switched over to Peacemaker to try and cheer <laughs> me the fuck back up. And that, that kind of worked. That helped. Uh, I've been watching stuff here and there on lunch breaks at work. I started a new job, which is awesome. One of the things is kind of a mandatory lunch that is basically paid, but you have to take a break. So that's good. It, it gives me enough time to just ingest like a half hour TV show after, you know, s- squeezing down a meal or whatever. You know, it gives me just enough time to enjoy about a half hour or so. So I rewatched all of Wellington Paranormal, uh, which is. <laughs> which is kind of an offshoot of what we do in the shadows from the original movie as well. The oh. police that they uh, encounter who come to their home and are, you know, getting mind wiped and manipulated by the vampires in the original, what we do in the shadows film, mm-hmm. get their, get, they get the, their own TV series and you follow those two police officers around. And what's oh. awesome about it is all the comedy comes from them being terrible police, which <laughs> is just to say them being police. Yeah, just cops, you know. Right, uh, right. <laughs> like you can cue my my uh, all cops are bumbling dummies quote of my my co-host Matt, but uh, <laughs> that's where the bulk of the comedy comes from. But they keep running into all of these supernatural and paranormal, and even like aliens and just anything you can think of, like sort of X Files. Mm-hmm. But they're just two beat cops in Wellington, and uh, their chief is like uh, obsessed with cryptozoology and all this stuff. So he's been kind of like putting them to all of these different tasks. And it's a lot like, uh, I think it was called The Strange Calls. There was a short-lived Australian TV show that was similar to that, where it was a utilitarian kind of guy that was just there to fix stuff in the town and Mm. had to take care of issues whenever a call would come in. And he would get all these supernatural calls as well. So, And I I also rewatched Strange Calls as well. So Wellington (laughs) Paranormal and Strange Calls, two things I definitely recommend. And then if you need something to bring you out of a funk... Just watch the loser that is Peacemaker learn to grow as an adult mm-hmm. and be a human being throughout the course of that series. And it may give you a little bit of renewed hope in humanity because if a jackass <laughs> like that could mm-hmm. come back from the brink, maybe even you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, a monster like that who had uh, even worse monster as a dad in Robert Patrick. Yeah, that's uh, that was a great fucking series. I can't wait till they bring it back. If they do, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I actually really enjoyed watching uh, Vigilante realize that he was a psychopath and mm-hmm. just full tilt into it and stop trying to be normal and please everybody and yeah. just actually like, no, I want to kill things with a chainsaw. That's been, <laughs> that's been my joy of that rewatch for, for Peacemaker as well. Uh, movie wise, I've been watching nothing but shit and it's all my own fault for my own show for Cinema Psyops lately. Mm-hmm. Oh, OK. Blind buys are not a thing that court should ever do again. He has learned his lesson and he will make sure that from now on he knows the film before he just buys it based solely on the fact that it's on sale at Vinegar (laughs) Syndrome or (laughs) or Severn Films or something along those lines. Because you thought I would have learned my lesson with your guest spot on my show, Lee, which Mm -hmm. when we did Night Train to Terror, when I could just kind of blind buy that because it was cheap. 
yeah. not realizing what I was getting myself into. Yeah. Well, <laughs> after Dr. Jekyll's Dungeon of Death, uh, Killer Croc 1 and 2. Oh, yeah. Um, and this last or this soon to be released, it's probably going to be already out by the time this hits the air, too. We did. Oh, God, it's so terrible. The movie's title just left my mind. Oh, it's uh, Don't Panic is how it was released in English speaking countries and in Spanish speaking uh, territories. It was labeled uh, Dimension Occultus, which mm. is a level of cringe that if they were attempting to do it on purpose would be John Waters brilliant. But I think they failed miserably at making a movie. Uh, and it becomes a level of cringe that is awkward and uncomfortable that only John Waters could do in a way that would make it brilliant. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I, I can't wait to, to hear about that one on your on your show. Oh, uh, it's on. It's also on Shutter. So if anybody else would like to suffer through it, I highly recommend you don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, Lady Lee. I don't have as many. I don't have nearly as many. Uh, the only one that I watched recently was. Uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of like already told you about the situation with uh, my big issue was like how the mom was a stripper because mm-hmm. unfortunately I find that sex workers in general already deal with like a lot of shit and they made her really like dingy and scummy and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, why did you have to throw in the fucking stripper? Like I understand the kid gets teased about it, but you could have like left that part out and had any other job, like working as like a nurse, a server, whatever. And still, cause it still happens, not just have like the mom who's trying her hardest and uh, create such a child and the mom's a stripper. I don't know. I just, it, it kind of bugged me. I'm not saying I didn't hate the movie. Uh, it's a, a very media movie for me. Like, I don't hate mm-hmm. it. I don't love it. But I do watch it every Halloween because it's Halloween. Now, have you seen the original? Yes, I have. Okay. I always have to ask that question with you because I keep forgetting how young you are. But yeah, uh, I think I think purely the reason that, you know, uh, she's a stripper in that movie is because, hey, Rob Zombie gets to have his wife dance in his movie. That's Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's still, it just bugged me. It's just, uh, it's just a small thing. Like, I think it's one of those things that already puts a negative light on uh, a career that is an actual fucking job, mm-hmm. but is very disrespected, even though there was this one stripper in town who saved up all this money to buy her own business. She helps her daughter and her husband, and she bought her own business because of all the money she saved up. Like, how is that a bad thing? Yeah, it's not. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, everybody in a Rob Zombie movie is usually a irredeemable piece of shit. It's just, it's just the way it is, you know? Yeah. That's that's just kind of one mode. It feels it feels like I'm I'm almost I'm still kind of shocked that he did that Monsters reboot or whatever the fuck it is because apparently it's PG and it's like well I'm guessing none of the people in that swear or there's no guns or, in their people's pussies. What? Yeah, <laughs> I mean you know whatever goes on behind the the bedroom doors of uh, Herman Munster and uh, and his wife. But I don't know. <laughs> Did you actually watch that or are you just making reference to it? Because I just can't bring myself to even watch it. I mean, I've been hurt way too many times by Rob Zombie before mm-hmm. in that I've watched his movies and I just don't want to let him do that to me any, Break your heart. anymore at all. Like, yes. I just, yeah, I mean, I, I understand that the one thing that he would want to try and do his absolute best on obviously would be the Munsters because he has been a fanatic for the Munsters for his entire life. But mm-hmm. I just, I just don't think he should write his own shit. He's an excellent no. director. He's got a really good eye. He, he frames shots beautifully. Mm-hmm. He comes up with really great visual style uh, sequences and things like that that work really well together. And he can tell a story. 
really well visually. But the minute he starts trying to put a story together that is coherent from beginning to end, he falls miserably and breaks all of his own teeth face first. <laughs> yeah, it's um, I didn't watch it, but um, I've seen like plenty of people I, I know, like who have watched it and they're and then most of the reviews are like, it's OK to what the fuck is this? Like, so, yeah, I. I'm more of an Adams family guy anyway, so I'm I don't really care about the monsters at all. I'm actually pretty excited to check out that uh Wednesday uh series that's coming on Netflix or whatever. So, uh, see, uh, I love them both equally when I was coming up the Beastmaster station, also known as TBS, mm-hmm. used to play uh, very early in the morning Monsters and the Adams Family back to back, where it would just be one and then the other and then one okay. and then the other. And that would go on until like they either had a football game come on or the like afternoon movie or whatever. So when I was super young, that was my babysitter. I just got mm-hmm. plunked down in front of the Monsters and the Adams Family, and my parents wonder why I turned out the way I did. <laughs> yeah. Um, the only thing I'll mention, and this is another rape revenge film, a, a much more quote unquote classier one than the two we're doing uh, tonight. Um, uh, Caitlin Var- Varga from 2009. It's a Peter Strickland movie. Um, he's, he's the guy, if people are not familiar, who directed Barbarian Sound Studio. Um, so I did this because uh, it's the latest. Uh, for Duncan McLeish's movie club on podcast under the stairs. So, uh, and I had never seen this before. I'd never heard of this film before. Uh, in fact, like I didn't even put the name Peter Strickland to anything. Like I was just like, who's that again? Oh, barbarian sound studio. Okay. Well, fuck yeah. I'm going to check out his other movies. So it's, it's a rape revenge film, but it's, it's one where you never like see the rape. It, it's like, it's all kind of the aftermath of, of the rape. Um, and it's more the, the devastation that's that's caused in in the woman's life since it happened like she she got pregnant from the rape and kept the child and lied to her husband about it being his so once she's found out she gets ostracized from her community this is like really rural romania like at times it looks like it could have been set in like the 1800s or something like that until like she'll you know, turn the corner and walk into some slight modern convenience or something, you know, that puts it, you know, contemporary. But at times it's like it, there's shots in it that could fit into like Werner Herzog's uh, Nosferatu. Uh, they're, they're like that uh, on point with it. Um, but yeah, she basically she gets kicked out of her, her life. Her husband disowns her and kicks her out of town, basically. So she runs off with her kid and goes on a revenge quest because she's got nothing left basically so she goes after the uh guys who attacked and raped her like 11 years ago and it's like a it's kind of like blue ruin in a way it's kind of a meditation on like the effects of revenge and the effects they have on not only the people who were involved in the transgression but uh just innocent people who are around them now you know bystanders and stuff like that and there's this like, even though we don't see the rape ever happen, she describes it at one point in this like extended monologue. And it's just heartbreaking. It's so fucking horrific. And it's just as effective as anything you could see on screen, you know, being depicted. So uh, 
highly recommend it. Uh, really, really good. I really enjoyed it for a first time watch. So we'll get on that after just watching these two. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I maybe, take, maybe take a little break and maybe not get into it. You know, don't go rushing for it. You know, if uh, <laughs> if this is all you've been watching all week, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and then immediately after watching the film that Lee suggested, you should then watch the film Revenge that's on Shutter. that was the French-made film. Mm. And then just have a whole Rape Revenge week of film watching and really just feel depressed. I kind of I enjoy Rape Revenge movies, though. Like, I, I, I do enjoy them. I don't I, enjoy I, the, the I, rape part, but I do enjoy the revenge part. I, I was going to say, like, I, I'd, I'd say Caitlin Var- Varga is um, kind of on par, oh, excuse me, with um, Promising Young Woman. Okay. Kind of up there with that one, more more classy, you know, quote unquote. For I really like that movie. Yeah, it was really um, movie. yeah, it was well made, definitely, mm-hmm. and it's powerful. Mm-hmm. Yes, very powerful. All right, so uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to play a podcast promo for a certain person's podcast who's on the show. <laughs> I wonder who. Yeah, I don't know. And um, then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the uh, these movies, these uh, these these cinematic. <laughs> So ready. Things. Uh, so I don't know about you guys, but uh, I got to ask this question. Each one of us must make up his own mind. It isn't easy. What do you think? What about drinking? <laughs> <laughs> you ungodly warlock. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Uh, necrophilia. Uh, uh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't, don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this movie. <laughs> no one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked. Crude. I know, really. Right. It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of. Unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you should be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything Dude, that kept Little history all yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally love this film. Hey, I know why you, you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it. But it was How did rough. you watch this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. You ungodly warlock.
I've quoted that line before. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> um, so, I Spit on Your Grave, 1978. We do have a trailer, so we're going to get to that right now. And it's pretty short, so uh, good on them. I spit on your grave. For what they did to me. I spit on your grave. For what I'll do to them. I spit on your grave. And there isn't a jury in America that will convict me. I spit on your grave. Rated R. Here we go. <laughs> Great. Awesome. That's how they should be done. Um, so this is also known as Day of the Woman. Uh, that, that was like the uh, first title of it. And that was the one that uh, it didn't have success with. Uh, so before it got retitled and re-released, uh, it was also known as Horror Weekend, Blood Angel, I Hate Your Guts, Blood Force, The Rape and Revenge of Jennifer Hill. Those are all the other ones, apparently. I like I Spit on Your Grave. Yeah, that's the one that catches you, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's the title that's been ripped off a billion times since its release, yes. Yeah. Uh, written and directed by, uh, I'm assuming, Meyer Zarchi. Is it Meyer? I don't know if that's pronounced. It's either right. Meyer or Mar Zarchi, yeah. Yeah. Um, he's also known for a couple other films, Don't Mess With My Sister, uh, <laughs> and uh, I Spit On Your Grave, Deja Vu. Uh, he did the sequel years and years later, and it's two and a half hours long and absolutely terrible and a real slog to get through and is so fucking painful just don't watch it just stay away from it like don't don't do deja vu just don't had, at all had no plans had no plans to touch is, it is that the second because i know there's i spent in your grave too is that deja vu or is that a different one as well entirely well, okay so just a quick rundown the original i spit mm. on your grave 1978 then yeah. they did a remake several years later called i spit on your grave then that remake actually got name only sequels where it just took that name i spit on your grave and then had a two and a three so it's technically a series of three films but it's just basically anchor bay just re-releasing a new version of pretty much the same rape revenge story with increasingly more shocking and graphic mutilations of the rapist whenever the revenge comes into play Mm -hmm. uh, with that and then several years later bears archie decides after getting the money from the remake hey why don't i make a sequel that no one ever fucking asked for make it almost three hours of unbearable bad acting and just completely shame myself for what i may have accomplished with my original film why don't i do that Mm. there you go (laughs) and it's like he had production credits on the remake uh, versions too Yes, at least on the first one. I don't know about the two sequel ones. I don't think he had anything to do with. I think that was one of those damn deals that distributors will do where they get uh, sequel rights snuck Mm -hmm. in there, and then they just make name-only sequels to push stuff out on video and see if people will rent it and buy it. Right, right. Uh, So we have Camille Keaton as Jennifer. Um, She is uh, the grandniece of silent film actor Buster Keaton. Uh, Interesting little trivia bit there. Uh, 39 films, to her credit. Um, some of the better one uh, known ones other than this, uh, Seven Bloodstained Orchids, uh, What Have You Done to Solange, Raw Force. Uh, she was in Rob Zombie's The uh, Lords of Salem. Uh, she was in The Absolutely Terrible Death House, which had all kinds of genre actors embarrassing themselves for a paycheck. <laughs> yeah, And, of course, she's in the I Spit on Your Grave Deja Vu, uh, which I'm never going to watch. So there you go. But, uh, like, 
most of her roles, if I'm not mistaken, almost all of them are like just like real bit parts for the most part. Um, this is kind of uh, unless I missed a, a couple films where she's got like prominent parts. I think this is kind of her her big one, more or less. Um, yeah, she was mostly yeah. supporting in the two Italian Jallos that she was in, but still absolutely excellent. It's mm. not it's not anything having to do with her acting ability at all oh, yeah. as to why she's not in as many films because she is incredible. Yeah. With what, she, what she can do so that's that's not the case it's just i mean i think this film broke her i think she just stopped kind of wanting to act after this i would not while. i would not be surprised i mean again a film like this kind of gives you a rep- reputation too right like in, in people's eyes and then that's just kind of sad um we got uh Aaron tabor as johnny Richard Pace as Matthew, Anthony Nichols as Stanley, and Gunter Kleinman as Andy. And almost all these guys, either they had like one or two other credits, uh, and not necessarily acting ones, and or they just did this, and this was all all they did. Um, very, uh, very uh, low budget indie production. That this whole thing was. Um, we got a synopsis here from Nick Reganis on IMDb. Oozing with confidence and the heir of a big city girl, the talented short story author Jennifer Hills arrives in Verdant, Kent, Connecticut to take a break from the hustle and bustle of New York City and write her first novel. But there, hauled up in her secluded riverside cabin, Jennifer is utterly unaware that she has already caught the eye of violent Johnny and his misogynistic jackals who are hell-bent on having their way with the unsuspecting visitor. Before long, poor Jennifer is sexually assaulted over and over again and left for dead. But Jennifer is a hard nut to crack, and her fierce will to survive will pave the way for a relentless mission of vengeance. Now, no one is safe. Who can stop Jennifer from tasting the ambrosial nectar of revenge? I didn't read all the way through this one. There you go. He's putting some flour on that that, uh, description there. Way to go, Nick. Way to go. (laughs) He's really writing. He's really hoping he'll get the back of the box at some day. Someday, you know. One day. I, uh, I take umbrage with referring to a survivor as a tough nut to crack. Yeah, that's the the, the guy should. And honestly, also ending up with ambrosial nectar of revenge. I I don't. Yeah, somebody writes that into a review or a uh, plot synopsis, either on a dare or because they really do believe that people think that they use that kind of thing in regular discourse daily. Yeah, that, that, that guy must be really smart. He said, I'm fine arts major. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Probably from the city. Um, Court, you have done this on your show, uh, but way back in like what the first 30 episodes or something around then, I, I, I seem to recall. Yeah, we did a special on the UK's nasties list and the video nasties and all of that kind of stuff. After that special, I then took Matthew, my co-host, on a journey of what I refer to, I think, as the worst weekend of my life. (laughs) When uh, basically I was essentially 12 years old and I started in one weekend, I rented a shelf of movies that just basically were in alphabetical order, and I was obsessive, so I watched them in alphabetical order. And um, it started with, uh, I think it was The Hills Have Eyes, and then I Spit on Your Grave. Jesus. <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm sorry. The Hills Have Eyes, House on the Edge of the Park, oh. I Spit on Your Grave. Yeah. Thankfully, just, for, just Before Dawn was next, which oh, helped me go. come back a little bit. And then um, 
I can't remember what I closed that series out with, but it was basically like the, at least those four that I vividly remember. These were like first time watches for me. And I was 12 years old the very first time that I saw a spit on your grave and it left a mark on me. It is <laughs> that weekend. That weekend is the reason why cinema psyops exist. The phrase because physical wounds heal cinematic ones don't is absolutely 100% something that I truly believe. When I watched this stuff, it marked me in such a way and left an impression in my brain in such a way. And you can hear it on those episodes. I don't really need to talk about it too much, but I was essentially terrified to ever try to make an advance on someone that I was attracted to after watching those films on the weekend, particularly I spit on your grave. I was yeah. like, I don't ever want to be perceived as those monsters ever. Like I was just terrified of even my own like thoughts and desires and, and things like that after watching these films. Cause I was like, these men are monsters. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was like, yeah. I was like, when I, when I was finding her attractive as well, while watching the film and then seeing what they ended up doing and how they brutalized her, it just completely made me feel like, well, I was thinking some of the same things that they initially said before they started getting terrible. And the more terrible they got, the more terrible I felt about just being attracted to this young woman. And it took me forever to sort of sort through that, that thought process and, and those feelings after watching this movie. I mean, for years, I was still trying to, like, figure out why the fuck that was making me feel like that. And, and you know, even to this day, when I watch the film, my empathy kicks in in such a way that, like, I just want to vomit by the time they're done assaulting her like i just feel so disgusted but the visceral part of the revenge when that finally kicks in oh my god so satisfying it's like popping a zit that has been hurting for fucking ever but like you do it real slow because you make the zit suffer <laughs> that's exactly what i think of when i'm popping zits like just <laughs> but yeah it's uh, painful i gotta make the pain last <laughs> the 12 year old court who watched this film was not prepared for the things that it was going to make him think and feel and the 43 year old court that watched this film was still not prepared for the things that it makes him think and feel while watching mm -hmm. it it's a really well made and very powerful film it definitely is marred by some of the over-the-top hammy acting of the men that are in the film but the thing that sells it is the suffering that somehow camille keaton brings to the screen in her portrayal as jennifer like it's all on her and everything that yeah, everything that happens in this film like just the, the reactions on her face the terror in her eyes the way that she screams just the mud that they have caked on her and this, the way that she is able to carry her body as though she has been brutalized because that is truly what happens to her beyond just rape. It is a brutalization. They basically yeah. beat her pretty much to death in one way, shape or form or the other, and then just kind of leave her for dead and hope for the best whenever Matthew doesn't actually kill her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Lee. Um, this, yeah, I also. This is, a, this is the first time watch for you, right? Yeah, this yeah. is the first time watch. So I've watched uh, the 2010 uh, version, but I've never seen the original. But it was cool because uh, I had the 2010 on DVD, and they show you uh, chunks of the original. So I've always wanted to see the original, and mm -hmm. uh, it was cool because he had mentioned it, and it was I had seen the the remake. Court had seen the original, so that's kind of why I thought it would be a cool idea to do that. Both in the same day, that was a little much. But other than that, <laughs> uh, I found this one 
was harder to handle because the rape scene and the brutality scene, uh, it was very stretched out. It was very ongoing, continuously going. Literally like like a third of the film is just that rape. It's approximately 35 minutes and it happens about 15-ish minutes in. And by the time it's over, (laughs) you only have like 40 some odd minutes left. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, uh, it was very hard to watch. Like I text you even, I was saying how it, uh, it was hard to get through like the, because especially since it wasn't just, it was a pursuit, like literally pursued her. They had the first rape happen and then they pursued her for the second one and they pursued her for the third and like, uh, just attacked her as well at the same time. Like just, and I, the one scene too, where, um, you get the picture, the rear of her and the blood coming down her leg, Mm. like that just made me fucking cringe. Like that was just so hard to watch like it's uh yeah it was definitely something that um i any as any person any person who's experienced sexual assault i could definitely see how hard it is to watch anything like that and i find a problem with a lot of these rape revenge movies is that they focus so much on the rape that um it's you almost don't want to get to the revenge because you can't handle it like it's Mm -hmm. it's uh it's visually too much. Like it, it's just brings up too much. So, but if you do get to the revenge part, it makes it so fucking sweet. Cause uh, she stalks them. She watches them for what they do with their lives. And she figures out what's happening. She takes her time. It's not as if she comes out of nowhere. She takes her time. She heals. And, uh, oh man, the scene where she's on the bed with all the, the towels oh, and stuff on her body. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she takes the time to heal. She takes the time to plot exactly what she's going to do. And when she does do it, holy fuck, it is ever vicious. Like, it's so like, oh my God, like, I want all of that to happen to them. Like, that is, I have no pity for any of these men. Like, the Matthew, the seduction where she takes him in, I feel bad for him because he's basically manipulated a lot. That is the only thing sort of pity yeah, that I have. Because he's, uh, for people who don't know, he's he's got uh, developmental problems, you know. Yeah. You mean besides doing Woody Allen impersonations? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> but he, you could tell he's not wanting to do this, and it takes a lot of coaxing for him to be able to do it. And it is a situation where they are taking advantage of a vulnerable person. So that kind of, uh, it's a harder pill to swallow. But the revenge was so sweet. Like the fact that she just seduced him, and she's like, Fuck it. I'm going to fuck him. I'm going to make him come and then I'm going to kill him. Like, it was just, I don't know. Like, I, I was watching this. I'm like, whoa, this is evil. Like, this is pure evil. Like, that was amazing. Like, that, that was, well, she, that was like the moment where you could just take a breath of like, relax, not relaxation, but like relief that uh, this person was getting um, revenge. Yeah. It's interesting like, that you actually say that, uh, Lady Lee, because that's the thing that a lot of people on the upon the release for this particular film, their initial gut reaction and the thing that they took the most umbrage with was that how would a victim of rape then turn around and try to use seduction on the men that assaulted her? And I basically, when I've heard that, I'm like, clearly you don't know women then. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, um. I could totally see a woman doing that. I could absolutely see, I could absolutely see somebody who's experienced something to use it. Cause like, who cares at that point? They've already done it. They've already seen it. So fuck it. Like, let's use what we can to fucking brutalize the guy. It just, and- it just works as a thematically in the film too. Cause she basically, she sexually dominates them. 
yeah. and then and then kills them. So she basically yeah. she does to them what they tried to do she, to her. She takes back control. She takes back power, yeah. and she gets revenge at the same time. And that's the thing. Like she has power. They they try to make it seem like they're trying to seduce her as she's like trying to kill them, or the one guy Johnny. Mm-hmm. It was such a good part because she has a gun to him, and he's like, "Oh, come on now, you don't want to do that to me. Like you can get my clothes off no matter what." And uh, she's like, oh, yeah, how dare I? Let me give you a bath. And then puts him in a situation where he feels like it's going to survive, gets him really comfortable, and then she just fucking cuts him where it bleeds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she yeah. took away his weapon, both of yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah, and it was just, I don't know, I just loved it. I loved that it was so psychological. Like, she just fucked with their head so good. Like, she put it out as if she was, like, a submissive, like, she was... Um, after this all happened, she's like, oh, it absolutely is my fault. I'm totally, like, um, to blame. And she's like, nope, fuck you. I'm taking back power, and I'm killing you. Yeah, because so. they, they, they slut-shame her, right? Yeah. They, you know, well, you know, how how, uh, how could you blame us for doing what we did? Look at you. You, you were either your Howard or whatever came to your Matthew or Howard or whatever his name is, came to the into the host to deliver groceries and you, you practically had your tits out, you know, like, yeah. How dare you not wear a bra in the middle of the country? <laughs> and then you walk it around with those long legs and like, yeah. Tanning in the boat. That's all what happens, it, though. Uh, like, that's- all, yeah, all of it is just, it's, it's stuff like I've grown up with seeing in, in, in dudes that I grew up with around here, like uh, where I where I live is still fairly rural. It was definitely a lot more rural thirty years ago, and fucking, I've seen plenty of these guys, and like you you can see it, like how they can snap off just like that into doing something like this. Just the way they're they're building it up in their minds, they're talking about it, they're they're treating women like this, they're thinking about women like this. Um, I've seen tons of it, like. Oh, yeah. And I mean, there's plenty of, and there, sadly, there's plenty of like uh, sexual assaults around in this area and stuff too. It's just, um, this is not the first time I've seen this. Uh, I saw it years and years ago uh, because you know you got to check out the most shocking, offensive films ever if you're a horror movie fan or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, but like, I even though like in parts it's crudely done, I think it does a good job of you know setting up that sort of typical city people versus rural folk kind of horror movie. Um, you got these bored misogynist assholes who become fixated on the attractive liberated writer. Who's probably had all of her short stories published in Cosmo magazine during that time, you know? Uh, and so they both like resent her and they lust after her at the same time, you know? And uh, like court was saying, like the men's performances, they kind of range from okay to not great. You know, some, some, especially when they start going over the top, but from I think all the, of them from some, so from scene to scene, cause some scenes they do better than others. Yeah. But. The, the one scene where the guy, this is kind of, it made me feel bad, but the one scene where I can't remember the guy with the, um, the suspenders and just took his suspender off in his pants, that mm-hmm. sex scene, that rape scene, I kind of laughed cause he was just ridiculous. Like it was way over the top and then was way stupid. So yeah. it wasn't anything at that point. It took me out of the movie cause I didn't find it as believable cause it's just his body and how he was doing it. I was like, okay, it looked, no, this it is, looked this like, is... it looked like it was like a, a sex joke from like a, a comedy film about like, yeah, at, at some point, like some redneck fucking a cow or something, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah, it just looks stupid. It, it that was um, 
that was one scene where uh, it definitely made me like giggle just on his acting. Like I just thought that was a little bit poorly done on his behalf. Yeah, yeah. the only thing that keeps that being brutal and disgusting is if you look directly at Camille Keaton's face and don't look at the actor and you are basically seeing her reactions and how she's screaming, which Mm -hmm. is, which is all I ever see anymore. Like I can't even see the actor anymore because once I, once I notice that detail of her acting, that's all my brain zones in on. And it makes that so terrifying and so awful and so hard to watch. Her screams, her screams. I was sorry. Do you no no, go ahead. Okay. Oh, I was just going to say just her screams uh, alone that uh, made it that was another reason why it made it very difficult to watch the first part, like the rape part, because um, you could feel them like it just made your blood like curdle like it. just. Th- ah. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think the most effective, uh, you know, court bringing up the reaction shots of, of Camille Keaton, I think the most effective one for me. And then by and by effective, I mean, of course, the most horrific one that like gives me chills is when they bring in the developmentally disabled dude and she sees him and yes. she's like, oh god not you too and then she realizes what this is what they're doing they're they're holding her down for him and just the look on her face is just like you're surprised her mind didn't just snap right there right like it's it's fucking horrific it's really like if for such a just like a low budget, cheap film that, you know, isn't, you know, it's not cinematic, like it's remake, you know, it's not in any way kind of like that. Um, It's incredibly effective with just the sort of raw emotion it pulls from the viewer watching it, you know, there's a reason for that. Mm. I feel bad for the actress though, because afterwards it must've taken a while to just recuperate because that's not easy. Some of the scrapes and bruises on her body were actually real. Obviously not like the the kicked in part of her face that was Mm. bloody and everything like that. But there's actual some bruising on her that is definitely real that you can Uh, kind of see in some of the shots. Not surprised. Kind of like the same same idea of like a Marilyn Burns and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Right. Just to a much lesser degree, I guess. But um, yeah. Uh, yeah. the reason that these scenes are as powerful as they are and feel as realistic as they actually do, despite some of the hammy acting of some of the men in these various scenes, is Marizarki, uh claims in an interview or states, I should say, in an interview that he had actually found a woman who came wandering out of the woods like mm-hmm. alongside of the road that had been sexually assaulted and essentially looked like Jennifer does when she's walking off caked in mud after yeah. everything is done, like on her way back to her house or trying to get back to her house. That's yeah. He took her to the police station and then the police basically did some kind of slut shaming or some kind of blaming the victim routine to the point where it angered him and enraged him so much that he could not let go of that experience for that day and it was the impetus to make this film or so he states in an interview um, i appreciate you know. that um i could definitely appreciate that because i oh I've, I've i mentioned it before but like with um like with my case like with what happened to me when i went to the cops it was the exact same thing like they just slut shamed me they just told me that it was my fault and i was a drunk teen or sorry i was a drunk college student who party a lot so they didn't take my kid seriously at all yeah, and that's happening to so many different women out there, and I think that's why I take such enjoyment in these movies because 
I definitely had those thoughts. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> like I literally was thinking about how I can meet this guy in an alley and like beat his head in with a baseball bat. Like I never did it. That's why it's cathartic. That's why you watch these movies. <laughs> and I'll, I'll say, I'll say from experience, she might be four eleven, but she could probably pull it off. Just, just putting it out there, guys. Don't, don't fuck with her. I'm like um, the nicest person. I would never fight anybody unless what? I had to. What? Okay, whatever. <laughs> um, uh, I, I will say, uh, even though it's like, it's it's so simple. It's so simple a line, but I think when she gets to say suck it bitch back to that dude one of the best like ending lines of a horror movie ever like i i think it works so effectively well it it sums up the whole kind of like it was her taking power yeah it was literally her getting power again it was literally her like in control she was literally in control of all those situations never was she never in control like he made she made it seem as if they were and then especially when it was in the water she literally just said I can kill you guys whenever I feel like it. Like, I am just going to wait. I'm going to fucking torture you. And then when she said, suck it, I was like, oh, yes. Dumbass, like, swims up to the motor. Like, <laughs> It gets wild, too, because it's like all of a sudden it almost turns into a slasher movie, basically. And, like, you get, like, a Friday the 13th-esque kind of kill before Friday the 13th was even a thing uh, with, the, with the axe, where, where she gets the guy with the axe on the boat, you know? Like, it... You get that close-up flesh wound into like some fake flesh or whatever, but uh, it looks so bad. But so still, just because of like back then, right? I saw like the newer one, mm-hmm. so it it totally looks fake, but it's still an awesome death. I still think it's really cool. And I should also mention, there's no score. Uh, it was so cheap they couldn't afford a score, so they didn't have one. And it it's weirdly effective. Like it's like credits at the end. Yeah. Yeah. It could only work in the setting that it's in, though, because they establish how quiet it truly is where she is until mm-hmm. these jackasses come in and start making noises uh, to torment her at night as they're. That's another thing we need to talk about. This this film really establishes the escalation of the type of predatory behavior that mm-hmm. leads to the type of sexual assault or like a gang rape like these guys did. They first start out by a bunch like a bunch of immature kids just making noises, trying to scare her, see if they yeah. can get her to come out of the house so they can catch a glimpse of her and whatever neg- negligee or whatever she might be wearing, you know, right. that they're fantasizing about in their heads. They probably were peeping Tom on her quite a bit, but the film didn't show that. They just mm-hmm. kind of shortcut it with the noise making. And then as their escalation of the behavior happens where they start doing more and more pranks until they finally get Matthew, like, basically prepared to do what it is that they want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh that escalation of behavior, including when the assaults start happening, where the violence starts to escalate, they do an excellent job of portraying how the group mentality of eventually the the mob think kind of gets in, in the brain of everyone, including Matthew, to where you actually see where he's watching her being raped. And then he finally decides himself that it's time yeah. for him to do it. Like he actually starts um, finding some kind of not necessarily enjoyment out of it, but it's in with the group and sort of starts to get lured in. And there's, I don't remember the term for it, but there actually is a phenomenon there is, um, where that happens, where it's sort of like an egging on that will happen in a group that are doing some kind of brutality or assaulting like this to where people that ordinarily wouldn't have joined in somehow get sucked into the moment and the adrenaline that it ends up creating just from being in that situation and start acting on it. 
I'm a psych major and I can't remember what it's called. (laughs) But yeah, you described it perfectly. Like that's exactly what happens. It's really, it's really crazy. I don't really truly believe that Mirazaki was really planning and writing the film in such a manner as to show this. I think it was just a situation that he was so familiar with, you know, coming upon a survivor and knowing what her story was and just knowing what it is that that folks go through and how this type of behavior would escalate that he just sort of fell backwards into representing it so perfectly that it could actually be triggering for a survivor of this type of brutalized assault. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, do we have any uh, other uh, things we want to talk about? Like what, like favorite, favorite kill, for instance, is, is, is it, is it a, everybody is, is it unanimous, unanimous on the, uh, uh dick the chopping bathtub. or <laughs> the bathtub one. Um, yeah, I really like the bathtub one. Cause that was really, that was really like her getting into him. Like that was like the whole psychology of like her seducing him and her talking about his family and the wife and her like pretending to be like, Oh, I'm just a victim who is now in love with the guy who raped me like in love and made it seem like he was in control. And then she just fucking took it all away from him and like just a swipe. Yeah. She's really, really good at using the mentality of the rapists in the way that they perceive women in such a way to where they delude themselves into believing what they believed or justifying their behavior that made it. Okay. Yeah. Like she deserved it. She earned it. Yeah. The kind of disgusting statements that he makes earlier she shifts her tack with him at that point because she knows she has him and she wants to toy with him. That's why she's asking him about his wife and kids before he's about to cheat on his wife with a rape Mm -hmm. victim, you know, as far as he thinks it is, he's cheating on his wife with a rape victim, you know, like, and he doesn't even get it. He doesn't understand it because he's so full of himself in believing that, you know, yeah, what I was saying is absolutely true. She did want me and she was flaunting me, flaunting it at me or whatever you want to say. That's what he was believing. Yeah. And the fact that she uses that mentality as a way to lure them in to a trap that will be their ultimate demise, including what she does to Matthew. Those two together are my favorites. I just mm-hmm. kind of I just kind of wish that she would have had something already set up because her running around the tree like that to hang Matthew isn't quite as believable. It seems kind of hokey now. I was right. kind of thinking like if she had a pulley system set up and it advanced to just make sure that it was like he's up in the air, no problem. And it's super fast. I think that would have gone over better than what they did, but the way she lures him in and distracts him with sex before throwing the noose around his neck. I know from personal experience, I can be distracted enough during sex to where I won't notice a noose being put around my neck. So I believe that. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And in that, in that uh, seduction thing too, it's like, it almost, it almost, falls into almost kind of like gothic horror kind of thing. Like she mm-hmm. almost looks like some sort of like hammer-esque succubus or some sort of European horror succubus luring a guy out into the woods to kill him kind of thing. And almost Oh, the outfit? Mm-hmm. Oh my yeah. God. I love that. I like, she just walks and she walks with such confidence too. Like you just see, she's like, I'm going to fuck these guys up. I'm going to fucking get my revenge. Like it's just uh. this, like that, they just brought her to this bottom of she had nothing else to lose. So she's like, fuck it. Let's just go for it. Let's just fuck them up. Yeah. And And then her revenge does escalate at the end too. Just like the violence against her escalated when she basically murders the people, not necessarily in order of the assaults, but in um, sort of, she gets the 
impetus at first. Then she gets the leader who talked everybody into doing it. But the two that were the most brutal and violent, she makes sure that she takes as much time as she wants with them and oh. makes them suffer as much as possible as well. She made him so, feel like they could get to shore like the first time where she just stops the boat and waits the guy to get to the shore. And then she's like, nah, nah, yeah. you're not going to get the guy to shore. Yeah, it's it's very well done. Like, you know, it's 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 a hard movie to watch. And uh, but like it is it is worth it for the cathartic oh, yeah. stuff at the end. But um not my favorite rape revenge film, but it, it's I think it's kind of an important one at the same time because it's mm-hmm. way better than people give it credit for. Um, it is as shocking as people give it credit for, but it's also like way better uh, done than did people say. Like, you know, Roger Ebert with his typical bullshit, like I saw people laughing in the theaters and uh, I suspect they're all sex criminals and like, get the fuck out of here, dude. You. I, I suspect half the time he made up shit. It's like I saw people starting to starting to fuck in the stands while watching this movie and watching that movie and uh, yeah, no, fuck off. Um, uh, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry he died so badly and he had a lot of cool writings near the end of his life, but his early stuff, like fuck you, just get away. Yeah, he never came back from that for me ever. So <clears throat> there is that. <laughs> I thought it was, um, I definitely understand why uh, it gets kind of a negative viewpoint because uh, it's a torture movie, essentially, like at the end. And a lot of people are like, oh, well, do they actually deserve it? Like, that's not the fucking yeah. point. This is art. And people are allowing their expressions through art. There's fucking torture porn. There's fucking like mass murderer type things. And you're getting boners for that. But then when there's a fucking female getting revenge, you're like, oh, no, the rapist doesn't deserve that. Yeah, suddenly that's threatening, <laughs> right? You know? wait, yeah. Wait. Who Who is actually saying that? Because I'd like to have words with them because, yes, the rapists do deserve that. Yeah. Oh, I got I, I bring it up a lot. Like I, I uh, I've watched the second one a lot because it was uh, very cathartic for me back in the day. So I used to watch it like a fuck ton. And I used to tell people about it. And they're like, oh, it's but it's just so brutal. Like, it's just so brutal. Like, what do you expect? <laughs> it's a rape revenge. Like, it's literally supposed to be a, a fucking experience that, like, literally the person who is watching it um, gets to feel this a feeling of satisfaction at the end where these piece of shit people get what they deserve. And it's not saying that we believe it. Like I wouldn't go out there and do these things, but it's nice to fucking see that other people think like me and to have it in like this form, like art is supposed to allow expression. So I don't know. Fuck all those people. Yeah. Um, so no, <laughs> uh, budget for this was eighty thousand uh, dollars. Box office, I don't have an exact number, but initial release was not a success. But re-release under "I Spit on Your Grave" was a success. Um, it's VHS it. is really what got it out there and yeah. made it the most money, though, is the rental days. Yeah, yeah. Uh, releases: four K Blu-ray, Blu-ray DVD, iTunes, Google Play, Amazon Prime, Vudu, YouTube. Uh, it's everywhere. Uh, you can find it. Uh, was there any trivia I missed? I don't want to bring up. Um, oh, yeah. There, I, I don't know. This could be apocryphal. Uh, British feminist Julie Bindle actively picketed the film when it was first released in the UK. She later recanted that view, stating that she now considered it a feminist film. So Probably I- reacting to the very salacious marketing material, which is kind of 
the wrong way to go. But if you're trying to get somebody to watch a film, I can see why you're trying to market it in such a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, interesting little trivia piece here. All four male actors asked to appear naked in the film to remove awkwardness or embarrassment about their own nudity and to show solidarity for Camille Keaton, who spends much of the film nude. Oh, that's so, cool. Yeah. I like that. Because so, I was uh, going to say, like, you saw them, like, full naked, like, penis and everything. And yeah. it couldn't have been easy for her to do the movie where she's just, like, totally naked the whole time. And walking through the woods with fucking mud all over her body. So. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's like, both, like, we'll get into it when we talk about the second film. But, but both actresses in both films, brave performances. Mm-hmm. Um, very brave. Ah! Said you're gonna shoot me down, put my body in the river. Shoot me down, put my body in the river while the whole world sings. Sing it like a song, the whole world sings like there's nothing going wrong. He shot her down, he put her body in the river. He covered her up, but I went to get her and I said, my girl, what happened to you now? I said, my girl, we gotta stop it somehow. So I spit in your grave 2010 and we have a trailer for that one. Hello? What's 
critical thing like you doing out here all alone. Forgive me, Father, for I will sin. It's date night. Directed by Stephen R. Monroe, and I was not really familiar with this guy. I looked up his IMDb. He's got 33 TV movies to his credit. Um, mostly Hallmark Channel and Lifetime movies. He does oh. have a f- <laughs> yeah. He does have a few horror movies. He probably shot some movies in your town, Lee. Honestly, I was going to say I have one yeah. going on right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, where where Lee lives, uh, Court. Uh, a lot of those uh, Hallmark and Lifetime movies get shot yeah, because she's got like a, and you live right on the street where they generally shoot that. Yeah. yeah it's really annoying because when I go to bring up my groceries, I try to find parking in front of my building, but they block off the whole street. So I have to either find the, I have to go into this like dirt lot and close as park as close as possible to the street and to my building and still walk it. Or I have to like walk through uh Lou dogs <laughs> with all my groceries and <laughs> go to my apartment. Yeah. So it's fun. Yeah. Um, That's nuts. Yeah. Um, he, he has done some other horror. Uh, most specifically like the stuff, Serena Vincent from not another teen movie. Uh, you know, she was the uh, naked foreign exchange student in that. And she's also in cabin fever, of course. Uh, you know, she sort of went to direct the video status, I guess, making movies. And she's done like a couple of horror f- movies with him. Uh, it waits Sasquatch mountain and Monica. Apparently um, I haven't seen any of them, but uh, I do remember like looking up. It's like, what has she been doing? Oh, yeah, she's been doing these low-budget horror movies no one's ever heard of. Um, <laughs> that explains why this was released basically by Anchor Bay, because they did a lot of those direct-to-video movies from the era that this guy was shooting them in. And mm-hmm. I think It Waits was one of their releases as well. So that's okay. probably why he got tapped to do this one. Makes sense. Uh, writers here, we got... Uh, well, uh, Myers Archie is back with a writing credit on this. I don't know if he did any writing or if it's just like based on characters by... Um, yeah, we have probably Adam. another credit they gave him just so he could get more money out of the residuals. Yeah. You know, and I mean, you know, ask John Carpenter. It's a good job if you get it. Um, <laughs> uh, Adam Rockoff. Uh, he also <laughs> does a bunch of Lifetime and Hallmark type TV films, uh, writer for a ton of that shit. So, uh, and uh, like, I didn't look to pair up movies or anything, but no doubt he's crossed streams with uh, Monroe here several times. I'm they peed sure. in the same washroom? Yeah. <laughs> no, no. They saved the universe by making sure their particle accelerators had the streams crossed. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> Tell me you have seen Ghostbusters, Lee. Yes, I have. Okay, good. Because <laughs> there's always a slight chance, Court, whenever I bring up a classic movie, she's not seen it. Like, mm-hmm. it's just... it's a Like, thing. how young are you? <laughs> I'm not that young. She's, she's like- 10... She's ten years younger than us, but oh well, that's know. that's not that young. Yeah, you should have seen Ghostbusters by now, so I'm glad that you have. Yeah, I've seen them all. I've seen every single one of them. Nice. Okay. Good. Yeah. There you go. It was uh, just movies because okay, I I don't know. Why. It's one of those things because 
a lot of the times when you see movies, it's like the accessibility that you have to them, right? And so right. back in the day, I didn't have like uh, a great accessibility to a lot of movies because my parents didn't have a lot of money, so we didn't own a lot. So all the ones that I watched were the ones that my parents liked. And also my parents, my mom being like really picky and my dad being like super dedicated to James Bond. Like I didn't have a huge selection. And then um, I was supposed from a really small town. So it's not like we got any cool movies that came into our corner store. It was the ones that were like the more popular ones because there was no point in having like less popular ones. So to rent yeah. out. I grew up well, in the mountains <laughs> in the middle of the Appalachia range in Pennsylvania. Mm. And I was able to find well, <laughs> all sorts of movies at all sorts of little mom and pop shops here and there. I didn't. And, I, all the ones that we had were yeah. literally just the, the popular ones. Well, I just yeah, didn't. That's, that's not your fault. That's totally not your fault. And I was just basically teasing you like, yes, of course, you should have seen Ghostbusters by now. But I, I basically had to search out film. Um, as a kid and I rode my bike for miles to go to these little mom and pop shops in the hopes that they would have a horror movie I've never seen before mm. and I spent money that I worked my ass off as a kid to be able to watch like nobody just lets a kid rent I spit on your grave when he's 12 no. like you you have to really work in the, the like <laughs> the, the 90s like I did whenever I watched it and I actually did watch the remake basically because I knew that Marzarki was involved with it as well, just to kind mm -hmm. of bring it back to what we're talking about here, uh, instead of being chastised by Lee, because I'm already terrified. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but me and my four foot eleven toughness. Yeah. Okay. That doesn't mean anything. I've seen plenty of martial arts movies where someone even smaller than you really deals some pain on people. So. I get that. I'm good. She she knows she she knows martial arts, and I can vouch for the fact that she's a very muscly 411. So, uh, oh my goodness, back to the movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because I because I knew Marzarki was involved in it. That's why I decided to watch the remake and give it a shot. And I actually cool. ended up buying the Blu-ray of it as well um, shortly after the release. And Lady Lee had mentioned that uh, the trailer for the original I Spit on Your Grave plays at the beginning. That's mm -hmm. because they released uh, the, the release of that um, that particular film, that Blu-ray was released by An uh, Anchor Bay. And Anchor Bay had, had that actually had the rights to I Spit on Your Grave at that time, the original. Right. And that's why they were involved with the remake. So in the Blu-ray of the original I Spit on Your Grave, the very first thing that plays is the trailer for the remake. So I actually... <laughs> When I was watching those Blu-rays, because I own them both uh, mm -hmm. tonight, it was literally like trailer for I Spit on Your Grave, the remake, then watch the actual I Spit on Your Grave, trailer for the original I Spit on Your Grave, then watch the remake. Like It was in that order, and I thought that's, that was actually really funny. That's interesting. Uh, so we got Sarah Butler here as Jennifer. Um, she's also in the sequel to this, the, the, the first sequel to this, I guess. The, the third one's like a totally different there's, story. So there's... I just looked it up. There's I Spit on Your Grave, I Spit on Your Grave 2, I Spit on Your Grave 3, The Revenge, and then I Spit on Your Grave, Deja Vu. Yeah, yeah. the Deja Vu is the only one that's the technical sequel to the original. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we got Jeff Branson here as Johnny. He's had some small roles here and significant things. He's in the uh, 2000 Shaft, the uh, first Samuel Jackson, like, sort of reboot, sort of sequel to the original series. Um He's in, I, I kind of want to see this just because it's one of those movies. I don't know if it's an asylum movie or not, but it's one of those movies that like rips off a title of a popular movie at the time. He's in a movie called The Wolves of Wall Street from 2002, which apparently is like stockbrokers who are werewolves 
Uh, that could be a yeah. Dave Dakota thing too, because he'll make some films like that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm thinking it might be. Yeah, um, it's too he, clever of a title to be an asylum film. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, and and uh, you know, since actors and produce production people and stuff all sort of run in the same circles and do the same projects over and over again, uh, all those Lifetime films and stuff like David Dakota, he does a bunch of those ones too. So, um, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we got Andrew Howard as Storch. Um, who's amazing in this. We'll get into it. Uh, Daniel Franzessa or Franzis as Stanley Rodney Eastman. And as Andy, uh, he's got some, you know, horror cred. He's he was in chopping mall. Um, in a Yay, bit part. chopping mall mm-hmm. <laughs> favorite on this show. Uh, and he was in uh, nightmare on Elm street three, the dream warriors and nightmare on Elm street Four: the dream master. So uh, he has a little bit of horror cred there. Uh, Chad Lindbergh is Matthew. Tracy Walter, the excellent Tracy Walter, who we've uh, covered on the show before is Earl, uh, 98 credits, you know, just storied character actor. We covered him in Repo Man way back in the day, and we uh, covered him a little while ago on uh, Trailer Park of Terror when we were talking about what we watched on uh, October vacation. Um, we got Molly Milligan as Mrs. Storch and Saxon Sherbino as Chastity, and she was in the Poltergeist remake, apparently, which I've never seen in don't really plan on it, but uh, yeah. Uh, so we have a synopsis here from Claudio Carvalho on uh, IMDb. The writer Jennifer Hills rents a isolated lakeside cabin in the woods of the peaceful Mockingbird Trail for two months to write a novel. Two days later, she is brutally gang raped by three local bigots, the sheriff and the handyman. Uh, Jennifer returns oh, five later. local bigots. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, why do you have to? Uh, separate any of those um jennifer returns later to revenge against rapists so essentially same story they throw a few little twists in here uh change it up a little bit modernize it um but again i'll throw over to court first on his uh general thoughts on the film so as i said i was deciding to give this a shot i was very adamantly anti-remake about the time that this remake came out Mm -hmm. and this is one of the first ones that um I was sort of like, okay, well, you know what? The original person that was involved with it is at least, a, you know, executive producing, has a writing credit. So they are at least involved in some way, shape, or form. This should be either, if not the most faithful of remakes, it's going to at least be enough of where it's going to be somewhat controlled by the person who did the original film. You know, so mm-hmm. I was like, I was going to give it a chance kind of based on that. And it is as close to being a shot for shot remake while also being an updated version of the film simultaneously as you can possibly get while still being ultra low budget. Mm -hmm. Uh, It takes the fact that it has a much lower budget and decides to shoot on red cameras and shoot it digitally, which at the time when this was produced was actually still kind of a little bit risky to do. Because you just mm-hmm. never knew what you were going to get with the editing for the footage and all that kind of stuff. And uh, while Red was uh, or is now like the standard at the time, they were still relatively new. And there were some glitches for these kinds of digital cameras that they were shooting with at the time. It did happen, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> um, but they use that and then they run with the video aesthetic in such a way as to trick your mind into not even worrying about whether or not the digital video looks like enough, like what you normally are used to see for seeing film. Mm -hmm. And they 
actually shoot a lot of it in this almost POV perspective of the rapist assholes camera mm-hmm. and, and use that to give it this sort of found footage, realistic feel. And when you're watching the stuff through the camera, it does make it feel like you're actually there and you are looking through the camera with that filter over it. And I think that's very effective. And that's one of the changes that uh, I think a lot of people have had an issue with, but I actually rather liked because like the original film does, it puts you through the perspective of the victimizers at the beginning, Mm -hmm. but in a way to where you were supposed to be horrified at their actions, obviously. And this film ramps that up even more. And not only does it do that, it puts you in the very uncomfortable position of realizing that you yourself are watching a film that is pretty much the exact depiction of one of the victimizers camera and what they are seeing. And they Mm -hmm. make you watch it as it's happening. And it makes it that much more effective. Mm -hmm. Um, The way that they degrade her and torment her and just treat her like less than a human being and like try to make her act like a show pony in certain points. Oh, yeah. That I mean, the the way that they do that and then they peel back or pull back from the brutalization that's in the original film and Mm -hmm. they, they get rid of that exploitative element that is in the original film, but they keep the brutality and they show you just what it's like to be dehumanized by a group of human beings, which is essentially what the first film is trying to do. And I actually, I I fucking hate to have to say this, but I think this film actually does that sequence better and makes it even more effective because there were moments of this where I had to pause this remake more so than what I've ever really had to do with the original. And I think it's because the acting in this is actually better from all of the men. They are so vile and so disgusting. And it is so fucking hard to get through watching them do what they do that it just really wears you down. And by the time the brutalization is turned on them and the violence that she ends up partaking, like just going after them. And then she's basically torturing them and dehumanizing them. You, I guess you would almost feel sorry for them if you actually thought that it wasn't proportionate to what they did to her. But I would argue that she is directly portraying violence on them for exactly the type of dehumanization that they did to her through violence. So that's what makes the revenge portion of this even more satisfying to me than the original as well. They took the ideas Mm -hmm. and they threw the money and the talent behind it that Mirazaki originally couldn't get, and they did what is an excellent, well-crafted remake. It is shocking to me that I have ever said that because, I, like I said, I'm very intimately anti-remake for a lot of cases but this was the very first one that made me go basically decide that i need to give them a chance and see how i feel about them for the most part for some of them like with trailers you can kind of tell or if michael bay's attached like platinum dudes (laughs) you can kind of tell you can stay away but this one is the first one that actually really kind of opened my mind to that time frame the 2000-ish remakes that were happening Mm -hmm. and like kind of give more of them a chance and it was from this one forward that they started following that formula of actually improving upon the original for the most part. There's still some that fucking suck, but mm-hmm. this one I think is a benchmark for that because it is, it's a well-crafted film. It's a well thought out remake. It takes all of the stuff that needs to be there and amplifies it even more. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Uh, Lady Lee. Yeah. I, I, I very much agree with what you just said. Uh, Cause the first one you do see her, uh, stalking the guys in order to see how she can hurt them the most. And 
and this one I found she like it was just executed so much better because you saw it with um, you really only saw it with Johnny where it was very personal versus the other three it wasn't as much like Matthew you could say but that was kind of easy like he was a vir- technically a virgin who couldn't come so um, that one was a little bit different but Johnny was a lot more personal and the other two were like it was personal, but not as thought out. Uh, this one, all of the deaths are so well thought out. Like, um, where with Matthew, you could tell there's like a little bit of sympathy, but not enough to to kind of save him from her her vengeance or anger. She even um, says so because he keeps saying sorry and like a ton of times. And as she's finally killing him in the unrated version. Mm-hmm. She actually says, I know, but that's not enough. And then yeah. drags him off when she's choking him. That's amazing. Yeah. And I, I like how um, they kind of correct the the unbelievability of the hanging scene in the, in the original where she's just like choking him with the noose on the couch, you know, kind of thing. And even then she's like, I got to keep this guy alive for later in the in the movie or whatever. Like, you know, they, they kind of do away with like how hokey that was in the first movie. Oh, man, when she just drags him off by the noose and all he can do is, like, gasp for air and try to hold on and then eventually passes out mm-hmm. before he's out of frame. That was such a powerful fucking yes moment when I originally first saw this. And that was the moment that really got me in on this film, like, hardcore, because I knew that I was in for something different, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's also for me, uh, the first one, like I said, the, the brutality went on for so long that it was very hard to stomach versus this one I found it a lot, I did find it quicker like the the sequence of it like i'm not saying the length of it it's just the time from like the first rape to the last rape in the first one um there's a pretty big difference while this one it's like closer together so uh when you are watching it you don't have to like stomach that for as long like i even found that the rape scenes were shorter even though they were insanely fucking brutal they were still short which uh, it was preferential for me because they added just as much of effectiveness with uh, the words that we were saying and how they were treating her to get that anger in you that when that first scene came up, like the first revenge scene came up, like that was like satisfaction. And, uh, and then, oh my God, her bent over with her ass sticking out, getting gas, like, oh my God, like that was so perfect. Like that was just her, again, it was that showing the control, showing the power, showing the fearlessness of saying, fuck this. Like I literally went through the worst thing in my life, survived, and now I'm gonna like make sure they pay. And so yeah, her just leaning over the car and like leaning him on. I was like, oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. It also was was done in such a way where, they, uh, the ensnarement that she uses in that moment is done in such a way where she uses his preconceived notions of how women are against him once again. But mm-hmm. also, instead of it just being seductive, it is 100% a hunter's trap. I mean, she all mm-hmm. but sprayed like some kind of scent around <laughs> and just like snuck the prey in that way by making them think they were going to mate. Like, it's quite literally that kind of honeypot trap. And it's mm-hmm. a brilliant hunting tactic that she uses. It is she's, really well executed. She stuck out those booty pheromones, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, Sorry, the one thing I want to say yeah. to her, um, the acting, uh, Sarah, when she's on that bridge, oh, yeah. her body twitching. I was going to bring that up. Her like As, as, as good as Camille Keaton is, I kind of like the body language that, that uh, Sarah Butler has here. 
Um, I'm not. I'm not saying necessarily her performance is is uh, you know way better or anything. Like I, I think they're both really effective for the sort of like the context of the like. This is a much more cinematic movie, so the way she acts is different than Camille Keaton acts in the first movie, but it's just as effective, if not more. Just you're right. The way she's what the way she's just like all emotion out of her face and twitching as she's walking on that bridge is just like a broken woman. It's pretty fucking just horrifying to watch. It's like, Oh my God. Like you buy in that moment, especially like, yeah, this is a woman who was just abused. Like, and it looks like the end, like just mm-hmm. the way she's walking on the bridge. Like it just looks like the end. There's like no hope for her. And the uh, just falls off the bridge. Like just such a, such a moment <laughs> like such a mm-hmm. much more believable than matthew just wiping blood on the switchblade and then coming back out like he actually did yeah. do anything yeah 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 uh, uh, i think the reason why um her bodily twitching and the way that she's moving um uh, is working so much better for both of you i i think it may have something to do with the way that the film actually sets up the dissociative state that she is in because there are moments where the film just blanks out and you yeah. only get you only get glimpses of things as they are happening, mm. and it's when it, it starts to me like the the dissociation that they end up kind of setting up is when the fucking pig is anally raping her, and then the Johnny character basically says something along the lines of "suck it, bitch," like they all say to her or something mm-hmm. like that, yeah. like base or no teeth or something like that. The line that she report, oh yeah, she uses back to him whenever she's, um, yep. Uh, hurting was it, him was it like present present your teeth or whatever like he no no uh, no, no, teeth. no teeth this time horsey or something like that because he's about yeah, to oh, yeah. Yeah. force her to perform oral sex on him and i think that when things blank out there that's either her passing out or i think that's her dissociating but mm-hmm. for the rest of the time the assaults are played out to where you see her coming in and out of consciousness and i think that's a dissociation which is another really accurate portrayal of what would happen to someone in that victim's state like oh my when, God, they're, yeah. when they're being abused like that. And I'm not sure if that was an intentional thing or just a way to just kind of smooth out the rougher edges of that assault, but it definitely feels like an, a dissociation to the point where she literally just goes away and it's just her body at that point. But there's part of her that still remembers everything that happens, which is why she repeats the lines that she says and why the men are harmed and tortured and brutalized to the point of their own deaths in the manner that they are killed. Mm. Oh man! So the the one with the camera, uh, mm-hmm. Stanley. Uh, when so first of all, like just how she catches their attention, and she's just she's all this is planned. Like you hear it at one point where they say they haven't found a body for a month. It's been over a month, and um, Earl talks about someone calling because they haven't heard from uh, Jennifer in a while. Uh, so she just finally pops out of nowhere and you know, she has like, you see her and then that face, like you see this plan happens. And then when the plan just like starts to unfold, holy fuck. I remember first watching this and like, it was this moment where I was wanting to look away cause it was so awful, but it felt so good to watch this guy like get fucked up the way he did. Mm. Just like how she's like, you like to watch, I'll show you something. And like, hooks up his fucking eyelids like oh my god it was so yeah, good <laughs> basically, yeah so basically for people who haven't seen this uh 
the guy who has the camera. He's into voyeurism. He's he's the guy who like is Stanley. Yeah, Stanley is filming her. First films are in her underwear while she's washing her dress after she spilled wine on it. By the way, Sarah's my kind of girl. She goes to her cabin. She's got a bunch of booze. She's got a bunch of fucking joints. She's ready to fucking write a book, right? She's she's she knows how to party. Um by herself. But, yeah and yeah but, better to not share i mean those joints were just enough for one anyway yeah exactly <laughs> um but yeah fucking uh she get she she captures uh, stanley and in a bear trap and which brutally breaks his fucking leg with his bones sticking out and everything which is great make um, sure you're watching the unrated version for the violence perpetuated against the men it is definitely worth it to have it unrated yes. Exactly. Um, and so she ties him to a tree, fish hooks his eyelids up so he can watch and without blinking. And That's some pinhead eye. shit. Mm-hmm. And, and puts his camera in front of him to film him and, sh- and turns the viewfinder so he can see what's going on and what's happening to him. And uh, she starts feeding him things. Uh, a, a rat and she's like you gotta you know you gotta scrounge for what you can find when you're living in the woods for as long as I have been and she's been living in this cabin that she jogs across jogs by early in the film right like it's the abandoned cabin she sees that's what she uses to live in and like set all this up um but yeah uh she she stuffs a dead rat in his uh in his mouth he spits that out and throws up all over himself which is fucking pretty gross on its own uh, and uh, she puts fish guts on his face and some. Oh, birdie. she doesn't put fish guts yet. She goes and sees the other guy first. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, she lets <laughs> him stand there. He, she lets him just stew there, staring at his camera and having to stare at what is happening to him, where he cannot look away. Mm-hmm. He can't blink his eyes. And he's pointed mm-hmm. directly at the screen. Beautiful. She lets him stew there first. Yeah, um, I think I think my favorite one though is is the the guy that she 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 uh, ties up over the tub and puts the oh, lie in it so good mm. so like just the way she comes out and she like bangs on because he's the one the baseball bat so mm-hmm. she's just taking the baseball bat and slamming the side of the tub and screaming he's so, also like, the one that tried to drown her in the puddle or just sort yes. of drown her in the puddle to make her more docile and not fight back as much yeah 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 and it's like it, it's it feels i i don't know exactly what the, you know i know i know lie is is a good way to dissolve a body for instance if you want to get rid of one right um so eventually she takes one of the boards that supports him away and so he's got to like basically use his abdominal muscles to keep his ass up from d- d- dunking into the lie and eventually of course he tires and goes into the lie and I love how like every time he brings his head back out, it's like you can see it's melting the inside of his mouth, like the mucous membranes, and he's frothing blood. And the effects in this are really fucking good. Like her, um, her stare, she just watches as it happens too. Like mm-hmm. just no change of facial expression. Just the like, smoldering rage that that woman portrays oh. on her face constantly is amazing. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I'm in agreement here. Like I I think this is a better done movie than the I think, um I think they did a very good job at uh improving it where the first one didn't have the opportunity to. Mm-hmm. And that's like Court mentioned earlier as well, but that's basically what it did. It it complements the other movie. So it 
for those of it, like me, I never saw the first one. So it intrigued me to watch the first one. And uh, it added enough to it to make it different, but not enough to take away from the actual story. Uh, like he still had all the similar ideas to it. So let's, let's, let's talk about the big bad in this, like who is really the, the fucking cop, the, the sheriff. Um, and I think this is a wise move to add this character to yeah. the gang, by the way, because like in the movie, the original where the gas station guy has a family that doesn't ring true to me. Like it doesn't ring true to me that any of these guys would have a family necessarily. These, these, yeah. these local thugs, but a sheriff. Yes. You can believe like a high functioning fucking psycho like that could. Yeah, but you said sheriff. We get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, how many cases will be seen where the cops, their sheriff is like the one who's a piece of shit. So yeah, in reality, he's, you know, and he's, and you know, he's the, he's the, he's the cliche, right? He's the church going Christian family values, man who has a daughter named chastity of all fucking things. It's a cliche because it is true for more of them than it is not. Yes. And, uh, this guy is great. This guy is like a shade removed from, uh, Michael Rooker. Like he he remind he reminds me of Michael Rooker so much. It was like I had to do a double take at first. He's got the kind of same mannerisms and voice, and uh, he is evil. Like this guy is so fucking good at mm-hmm. being a piece of shit. Like he 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 does uh, as much as the the dudes like slut shame her when when they you know uh, assault her and stuff. When she runs into him. And he's like, oh, you know, settle down. We'll go back to the cab and we'll investigate all this. We'll figure what's going on. Oh, my God. Yeah. He does, he does the thing of, oh, having a few drinks for you, ma'am. Oh, is this your joint, ma'am? You know, marijuana doing, cigarette. Yeah. A, a little bit of the Mary Jane, uh, a little bit of a jazz cigarette over here in the fucking uh, thing. <laughs> we don't like that around these parts. You know, these nice, good God fearing parts of the country. Um the guy is spot on. It is so well written, so well done. And and the guy's just a massive piece of shit. And the fucking death he gets, ah, pretty equivalent to, to the crime, I'd say. It's it's pretty good. He gets he gets sodomized by a, a shotgun in a couple different ways. The unrated yeah. version of that lasts for what feels like forever, but mm-hmm. you can't stop enjoying it happening. Oh yeah. Like anal sex in general, like if someone has anal sex and it's like the person's not uh, ready or like they start to worry, it can be very painful. And that's someone going slow and light. Can you imagine having a shotgun shoved in your ass, like deep up your ass? Like can that we- is, I don't think people realize like how incredibly painful that could be like that. Uh, is- also, there's Wait. a sight on the end of that that is going to be tearing him up inside. Like mm. you would not believe, but he deserved yeah. it. But it's like heavy, hard metal that um, is forced in there. And as far as it can go, like that, oof, oh, oh. And, and <laughs> I can only imagine the pain for that. And and the way it's depicted, he didn't, he didn't feel the initial penetration either. No, he, he was knocked out. He wakes up of it with it in his ass. Yeah. And yeah, he's bent over a table with it in his ass, and there's a string to the trigger, and that's attached to our developmentally disabled gentleman who is going to move when he wakes up and thankfully not doing Woody Allen impersonations. Yeah, no. Um, I, I, my only question is what happened to his daughter? Oh, she didn't actually do anything to his daughter. She, she basically picked her up and then dropped her off somewhere else. I'm sure. Yeah. Because that's what she wants 
part of what he she wants him to suffer is the realization that what happened to her you know is basically something that could happen to someone he actually does care about he's trying to hum she's humanizing herself by making him realize that what he did to her is just as bad as whatever is going on in his mind of what may have happened to his daughter. But I don't right. believe that Jennifer in this film did anything to his daughter. No, I think it was even, I, I have this like weird theory that uh, since the wife knew what was going on, she kind of had a suspicion because of everything like him being late and stuff. Um, she said that just tell your husband, I went to the park with him, went to the park with her. And realistically she was still at home. Like, that's kind of how I feel, because I think it was, like, the mother being, like, okay. Like, kind mm. of, because she was worried about, like, when he got the tape and when he got certain phone calls, he's been really mysterious. So, it's almost part of me that thinks, like, the wife knows, and this is a way to, like, tell if Jennifer's telling the truth or not. Well, may- maybe she... I mean, she could, have also, she could have also told his wife as well, so that even if he survives and she doesn't, and she dies with what she's about to do with him, mm. she could have been setting him up. So with by letting his wife know what what happened as well, that's a possibility. Or it could just be that she did take her to the park because it was a school function and then left her with the other kids at the school. Yeah. That, and I, I always swore that I saw that, like, you know, she actually didn't hurt the daughter later on. Like, maybe there was an after credit thing or some shit like that. Uh, that I thought I'd seen. Yeah, yeah I never, I don't remember that, but yeah. I, I always, I always 100 percent believe that there nothing ever happened to the daughter. Yeah, like, nothing I, I, ever I assume so to too. I just wanted even to get, like, when I saw it, I was like wondering what happened, how she dropped her off, and how the dad got there. But I absolutely believe that nothing, the daughter was not touched at all because all she was used as kind of a pawn to scare the fuck out of the dad. Like yeah. she had him, um, the most fucked up out of all of the guys. Like the other guys were stressed out and worried, whatever. He was literally the most because his life his career his family were all at risk mm. um like you see that when he receives the tape and uh well even though he's in front of his wife he's trying to stay calm and she's like saying oh yeah it's probably just recital but we haven't seen it yet like it, blah 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 and his freak out just shows like the impact that she's had on his life with this um I guess they think still they, they still think it's Matthew, but the idea of what happened coming up, like how much it could ruin him. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that's the general sense of like taking the daughter out was just more to fuck with his head even further. Yeah, yeah. Well, and a lot of what she does too when she's victimizing the folks is it's not just necessarily teaching them a lesson, but is also using what they did to her back against them to show them what it feels like to be victimized in the way that they victimized her. So him tricking her and making her feel like she was going to be safe and then violating her like he does with the pat down just because of the marijuana cigarette and then revealing that he's a part of this all along. What she does with the daughter is paralleling that, but also she's trying to really make this guy understand because he clearly is such a dissident or uh, has the mental dissonance where he's thinking to himself that, Oh, I'm a Christian man. And you know, I'm actually a good person or whatever, but no, you're a brutal fucking rapist piece of shit. And Mm -hmm. by showing him what it was that he caused her that torment and that, that fear of what is going to happen to me and what is happening to me. And like him wondering what was happening to the daughter Mm -hmm. when he, he says, my daughter's innocent, my daughter's innocent. And she looks him straight in the eyes and says, so was I. And that's when she starts setting up the string to cause his ultimate demise. And yeah. Matthew's death is basically perfect because all of the stuff that he did was through his friends and being egged on by his friends and basically forced to by his friends. 
So therefore, his friends that were a part of it is what would be the thing that that would go through to kill him. Yeah. 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 It was such a, oh my God, it was so. So well done. Like, uh, like that end when you see Matthew just standing there and then you see Earl, as, not Earl, um, a sheriff. As they turn around, you see his face. Like, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, he looks like it look, <laughs> looks like a fucking zombie makeup or something for yeah, yeah. Uh, because it just like the shot goes right through him out his fucking mouth. Like, and and his eyes his eyes get fucking the the fucking all all red, full of blood. And I noticed there were teeth and things flying off of Matthew as he was being shot as well. Mm-hmm. Like there's like bits of like skull or, or brain or jawbone or something yeah. like that, and some of the viscera from the face that gets blown out with that shot. And so I just love, just, I love that they did that. It was uh, Matthew just yeah. being Matthew that would cause both of their deaths. Yeah, because he because he Matthew's shown to have like you know he's got some sort of uh, physical dis- disabled uh, disablements as well, where where you know his arms don't necessarily work a hundred percent like a, like a regular person's would. It causes so, him to have a flailing motion that mm-hmm. could be counted upon to cause both of their deaths automatically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's uh, okay. So um, the only part that bugged me in the movie was when Jennifer kissed Matthew. Cause uh, this is a movie about like sexual assault and all that stuff. And when it did that, I was like, I know this is way, way more minor, but I was like, I, I don't like that. I don't like when people do that kind of stuff. Like if it was a guy doing it to a girl, it'd be really gross. Like that was just one small part that really bugged me. That's yeah. It. I think they were trying to make it that she was just so happy that the toilet was working that she, yeah, uh, she, just, she basically just was didn't. like, yeah, I agree with you. It, it, it like a hug would have been fine instead of like kissing. Yeah. Something that he would have misconstrued, but the kiss is a little bit too far. And Yes, even in this time frame now when consent needs to be even more of a discussion, that reverse there where it's just an automatic kiss without any provocation, yeah, that's also mm-hmm. bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So that especially someone too who has a a disability, like a a learning disability, um, or a mental disability. Oh uh, yeah, that's really, even that's even more oh, Yeah, because they yeah. don't perceive everything the same way we do so they don't have that same like social cue or they they might not have that same social cue or understanding yeah so, just yeah. her grabbing him by the shoulders and yelling thank you at him like really really happy would probably be enough to confuse him enough to maybe think that she might like him in that way or to start getting him fascinated with her yeah uh, that's why the but, hug would have been fine like just yeah the the original movie does it a bit better right where it's like she just she's really nice yeah, and said to the friends. character, and, and he like, notices yeah, he can see down her shirt, and that's mm-hmm. what really sets him off. Yeah, yeah. Mm. This is like, <clears throat> excuse me, without without a doubt, one of my favorite remakes, um, especially of like the modern era. Like, I, I was pleasantly surprised with this one, as much as it's like I don't get excited and about like, hey, I'm going to rewatch this rape revenge film tons of times because <laughs> definitely not, but. As, you know, it, just as far as like a, a really great remake that like improves upon the original and like stays true to it at the same time, this does it. It does everything. Like it's, I, uh, it's great. I've rewatched it so many times. I uh, I actually got my friend to watch it too once because she was having a really tough time, and I told her I'm like the first little bit's gonna be awful to watch, but the last bit you're gonna be fucking over the moon and like just feel so good. And she's like, watch the movie. She's like, thank you. That was awesome. I needed that. Yep. Yep. They're there for a reason. 
again to all those assholes out there <laughs> yeah uh any more thoughts before we get to the details or? what was your favorite death in this one all oh, the the drowning in lie for sure 100 yeah. and drowning then the second lie. second best was the double death of sheriff and matthew the sheriff mm-hmm. and matthew is my second I, favorite we didn't talk about it we didn't talk about johnny's death i just thought of that um oh, yeah, yeah, i really appears. liked johnny's death as well because she treats him exactly like a horse mm-hmm. like she has a thing in his mouth and then when she starts pulling out his teeth when he said because he said no teeth there horsey so he starts she starts pulling out his teeth and then uh because he forced like oral on her and she with just, the gun as well in front of everybody to first humiliate her yeah yeah so he, she, he oh yeah when he says i don't take orders from grow uh women i was like that's from the first movie mm-hmm. um <laughs> yes. does that she just shoves it in his throat and then he ends up like throwing up i was like oh my god it's awesome and then when she just cuts off his dick and shove it in his mouth <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> It was so good. Little little on the nose, eh? You know, like the the but the thing is, it's so good because like the guy who likes to watch had his eyes destroyed. The guy who tried to drown drowned and lie. The guy Mm -hmm. who uh, treated like started the whole horsey thing and like um, the guy who tried to drown her also tried to burn her by throwing matches at her constantly and catching Mm -hmm. her hair on fire. That is true. Yeah, fucking think of that. The lie is a double thing on that. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no worries. Um. But the the guy who tried to or guy who forced oral um, had his and treated like a horse, had his teeth pulled out and his fucking dick ripped off. And the guy who forced anal had a fucking shotgun shoved up his ass. Like it was just so perfectly well done. And uh, I think, too, um, the, the like, you know, for the bit where they're freaking out and you have like shots of them kind of like almost being watched. I almost felt like that was Jennifer, like watching them. Like you never actually saw her, but one hundred percent, yeah, one hundred percent. You are absolutely correct. Yes, yeah. yeah. So, um, my favorite death, I think, is the the eyes. I just, I don't know why. I just like the fact that she like threw fish guts in it, and the birds just start poking at them, like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I the light. Yeah, they're all really. It's good, the most but... gothic of the deaths, so that's probably why you like it as much as you. Know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those that would be my f- first one, and then I um, laughed my ass off with Johnny's death. Like I just felt it was it was probably the most cathartic of them all because she really brutalized him. Like she really like um, when she was talking to him and how she treated him. It wasn't like the other guys. It was a little bit like more minor, while this one was very much like. No, in his face. Super personal, yeah. Well, yeah. The, he was the one that was degrading her the most with his words because at the beginning of the film, he's embarrassed by her mm-hmm. when she scares him and makes him trip over the bucket and his friends keep making fun of him. So part of what he tries to do is humiliate her in a way that he was humiliated by her completely by accident. Right. Yeah. It wasn't even her fault, but it's just the way that that kind of mindset works. By him trying to help her while she didn't want help. Right. And that, that portrayal of that... Um, you know, trying to be in control and trying to be powerful and trying to make some another human being feel small and humiliated. It's oh so God. well it's so well done in that. And to have yes. her turn that back on them and that's the thing that she uses to kill them in this is what is the most satisfying for sure. That she basically uses the humiliation that they put her through to show he, them what it feels like and then also pay it back in full tenfold, you know? He yeah. um he laughed at her. So at one point he tried to show like the turn where he's like, no, no, you're not embarrassing me. I don't give a fuck like what you're doing to me. Like, I'm going to get you. I'll kill you, whatever. And then after what she, she do? made him pee himself. No. Yeah. Less. <laughs> yeah. What does she make him? What does she do to him? Cut off his fucking dick. Like, <laughs> <laughs> with fucking like shears. Yeah. Like just, <laughs> like, just like 
You know what they do with horses that you can't tame? (laughs) (laughs) They help them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god! And just and shove it in his fucking mouth and kick it out. Oh, so good. Yeah, it's good good. stuff. Fucking good stuff. Yeah. Uh, Budget for this was two million, so still very modest, especially for the time. Um, All of it ends up on screen too. Really well mm -hmm. done. Yeah. Uh, Box office was uh, five hundred seventy-two thousand. But, you know, obviously this probably made some money on DVD and other streaming and stuff like that. And they made sequels. So, uh, you know, they, uh, they obviously got their money back somewhere. Um, I think Sarah Butler being in the I Spit on Your Grave Part 2 is like a cameo at best. I don't even think she's oh, playing really? the same character. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's not like a continuation of Sarah Butler's story as Jennifer Hill. It's another person that goes through almost exactly the same thing but an acts of very brutal revenge. I can't remember which one it is, but one of the movies, the rapist gets his legs cut open, like down the middle of the top portion of his thighs. And she just shoves in a bunch of shit. Like I think human shit that might even be <laughs> his shit that she collects and lets it fester in there and rot and lets him slowly die of sepsis and a bunch of other things. Wow. And, I mean, like if you're looking for a cathartic experience to watch a rapist suffer, those films are good for that. But yeah. the the rapes in those get way more exploitative and way more fucking brutal. So be prepared. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the I find it hard for. That's the only reason I find these kind of hard and difficult. Um, that's why I appreciate this one a little bit more because I didn't find the rape scenes uh, as intense. Like they were there, but. Uh, when they did happen, they weren't as long because the one in the first one, they were long. Like when the first guy was fucking her, then then when Matthew was fucking her, that was really long until they decided that he couldn't come. Um, Yeah. Here, here it's it's the degradation and intimidation that's prolonged. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I didn't find them as long in length either. Like the, they weren't as separate. They're all together. They're all bundled together. So the first one happened and then they go outside and then the rest happens. Yeah. So it's not dragged on for as long. So uh, a little easier to watch. Not saying it is easy, but a little mm, easier yeah. to watch. But. Um, so just two trivia pieces here. So Sarah Butler accidentally chiffed, uh, chipped Jeff Branson's tooth filming the torture scene where she's forcing the perform fellatio on the, oh, on no. the magnum uh actual unloaded firearms were used throughout the movie rather than proper replicas due to budget budgetary constraints so she was putting like real blued steel into this guy's mouth and probably caught his tooth with the fucking you know with, I, with the fucking the that's why, yeah yeah that's why she removed them <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and it, it makes very, me wonder what they did with the sheriff. Like, did they cut down a shotgun, or how did that end up happening? If real guns that were unloaded were used in the film, oh, yeah, because yeah, they'd have to have cut the barrel. Like, they either cut the barrel down, or they got it like underneath him, sliding under his belly, or something like that. You know, maybe I don't know. Camera angles, or they just. Maybe he was just into it. I don't know. Maybe they stubbed um, an actual shotgun up his dick. Yeah. Well, they, if if they took the sight off, at least I could see well. Maybe they could get away with it, and it could still be somewhat enjoyable. But just <laughs> going down that trail of thought is really just starting to upset me. Uh, That's um, a big circle to fit in. Like even toys are made so that there's like <laughs> a yeah, edge. ease in a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, Tapering, is that what we're referring to? <laughs> yes, that's yes. it. <laughs> uh, in the final shooting script, Jennifer was intended to arrive at the cabin with her dog, and it was to be featured heavily during the introduction of the film. The dog was written out of the script last minute because hiring a trained dog for the intended shooting schedule put the movie over budget. 
Um, and the dog would have made more money than anyone on the movie, apparently, according to the director. And also, they obviously would have killed the dog. I was going to say, they would have murdered the dog and it would have like made me hate this movie. Cause... Yeah, yeah. it would have been no, so, no thanks. No thanks. And you can find this on all, you know, the same places, basically. You can find the original. It's, you know, Anchor Bay's got the same deal with this that they have the original one with, so they got it on all the platforms. I, uh... everywhere. I totally forgot to mention something. Uh, one thing I, I really appreciate about both movies is that the females actually fight during the whole mm-hmm. thing, the encounter. Because I find a lot of the movies that they always make the females just helpless and not do anything. This one, they try to fight, but obviously they're overpowered because there's four of them or three of them. But, uh, or, yeah, four of them or five of them. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, just a small thing I wanted to mention. And they both yeah. hold their own actually quite well and yeah. actually do scare the men until they team up on them to try yeah. and stop right. the fighting. Yeah. It had to yep. be a group thing. It couldn't just be one. And that was, again, it's that predator thing, right? Where it's a group go after one. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we definitely got to find something much lighter next time. When we, <laughs> yes, movie fucking we please. Next. Yes. Um, blame me. Don't blame me. What are you talking about? <laughs> so you came up. Lee. <laughs> yeah, blame blame Lady Lee. Don't blame Mr. Yeah, which, Russell. Wait, which Lee? Which, how is that spelled? Is it is it Mr. <laughs> Russell or is it blame Lee? Like Lady Lee? <laughs> it was a joke because his name's Lee. So I was like, oh. blame Lee. Actually, and it, it, it turned out to be a really good uh, discussion that we had. And I think we actually mm-hmm. kept it very tasteful and very mature. And I love that all of us got fixated on the revenge portions of it and the brutality of it. Um, I'm very thoroughly happy that I got this review out of these rewatches. Yes. And I'm thoroughly happy that you uh, joined. It was excellent to have you back. Court. But yes, please. The next time I come in, can we do something more fun, like a Russ Meyer film or something? Yeah, Jesus. We, we, we totally can. And hopefully <laughs> it's much sooner than what span of like, what, four years since your last <laughs> appearance on the show. Right. I've become a troubling recluse. Like I'm going to start collecting my urine in jars along the wall and shit. Uh, well, I mean, there's a market for it somewhere, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, Court, you have a fantastic podcast. It's one of my favorites. I listen to all the time. And uh, please tell the people about it right now. Yeah, easiest place to find it is legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops dash podcast. Please don't put any more dashes in. Jesus. <sighs> I, don't, I have no control over that URL, but I still have to belt it out every time I'm asked. Uh, that's the main landing and launching page where you're going to find all of our previous episodes, even if you have to do a lot of searching to go all the way back. Um, we're over eight years and counting now. And every time someone tells me that they like the show, I'm like, what's wrong with you? still after all this time so mr russell what's wrong with you i mean <laughs> multitude of things i'm sure lady Lee can my, attest to several of them i'll keep my thoughts to myself then yeah <laughs> best best she doesn't shame me too much in the show um but but yeah and you know uh people if you have not checked out a show somehow if you're one of the few people who have not Listen to the show under a rock. How, <laughs> yeah. How, how many, how many weeks straight is it now? Court? Uh, as of this recording, it is uh, over 372 and, and rolling along nonstop. What, uh, like outside of Duncan McLeish, one of the most dedicated podcasters. That man never stuff. sleeps. If I never slept, I could probably pull that off too, I think. But I, he just, he just podcasts. That's it. That's how he exists. That's his substance. Yeah. His, his, his podcast that's what he lives on right yeah we have two exactly. in one week <laughs> yeah we, we're actually doing a lot 
<laughs> this week for well, like we've got some shorter nice. intermission stuff in the can and we just recorded last night and we recorded tonight and so yeah we we got we're doing, lot, we're doing a lot <laughs> yeah yeah oh yeah we're coming for your court uh we only have to you know do this you know another 360 whatever times or whatever you know in a row yeah, yeah the thing oh, is really? i i can't stop or i'll probably just stop so i just i gotta keep doing it because if i Makes stop sense. If I, if I even take one week off, the, once I take that one week off, it's going to be easier to take yeah. another week off. And then before I know it, I'm on absence for like 20 some odd years and I'm never getting back to it. And I might as well just sell my equipment. Yeah. Um, Lady Lee, where can people find you on the interwebs? At Mighty Tiny All Star on Instagram. I will keep you posted of all the podcasts that we release. Excellent. Uh, and doggy and kitty pictures as well and signed comic books <laughs> yeah you, you just had a signed co- comic book from what jeff lemire is yes yeah. yes i'm so excited yeah um, about that. <laughs> and you can find us at tmbdos.podbean.com and they must be destroyed on site on facebook facebook's the best place to get in touch with us figure out what's coming up on the podcast give us uh Recommendations, criticisms, uh, you know, uh, verbal blowjobs, and whatever, whatever you want to throw at us. Tell know. us how awesome we are. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or just, just comment like everybody else and thought this would be the movie. That sucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, thankfully, I don't put it on YouTube anymore, so <laughs> we, I don't get any of that shit as anymore. As, as long as you're not drinking alcohol and smoking marijuana cigarettes. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As I'm doing my Jello shots. <laughs> I, yeah, I'd say just don't take a bath. That's very unhealthy. It's it's not good. Just take a shower and get in yeah. and out real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all don't right. lie in that bath. <laughs> yeah. Oh fuck! What was that? That was. Jesus Christ. Okay. We're, 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 we're done. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Court. Thank you, Lee. It was, it was, this was amazing. And uh, we'll be back when we're back. Goodbye. Bye.
You've been listening to TMB DOS. They must be destroyed on site. For further episodes of this podcast, please go to tmbdos.podbean.com. We're also on Apple Podcasts and pretty much any podcatcher that you can find. Thank you. Drive through. What up, butternut? Butternut, not even buttercup. It's a butternut. Uh, I don't know what a butternut is. I know it's a flavor of ice cream. It is. You were right. <laughs> I know it's an old person ice cream. I know it's like something. It's something like one of my parents would buy, so I could I could never like dig into it because they knew I'd hate it. I don't even know if I actually hate it, but whenever I saw like butternut or what's the other one, fucking pecan something or uh, pecan sandy, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Great nut, great nut. Great. What the fuck's a great nut? nut? Yeah. Is that like the seeds that come in grapes? I don't know. Fucking, but yeah, but like my dad would eat that. Fucking shit! Like you get a tub of grape nut. Oh, that's Dad's ice cream. So I, I sure fuck ain't touching it. It ain't goddamn. It ain't fucking you know like utterly divine or hoof prints or something really diabetes and, and <laughs> inducing. You know, fucking grape nut. Grape nut. Yeah, tell me what a grape nut is. Grape nut containers contain neither grape nor nuts. <laughs> contains neither grape nor nuts, so it's, it's made with wheat and barley. Oh fuck off! Okay, that's uh... you put that in an ice cream. <laughs> what the fuck? Tiny kernels that resemble grape seeds. That's why they're called grape nuts. Oh my god! That's what my dad's been eating all these years. Is that's that's what grape nut ice cream is? Okay, fuck. God damn, he's old. Um, sorry, Court. We started getting talking about weird names for ice cream, and I was like, my dad, you see grape nut all the time. What the fuck is that even? I don't know. No, but yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what to tell you about that. Um, well, maybe it's something that we eat now that the next generation will think is weird. So, yeah, people took a huge turn on Hawaiian pizza and. And I remember people actually liking Hawaiian pizza a long time ago. Yeah, those people are freaks. Right, but everybody turned on Hawaiian pizza. <laughs> yeah. Rightly so, though. You know, although I've got a friend group who I don't know why I'm friends with them, frankly. Because um, I guess I guess because if I wasn't, I'd have no friends. That's probably. <laughs> You'd have never met me. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Um Okay, uh, we'll get into the next one here.